0: John Maxwell says, everyone communicates, but few connect. At the end of the day, communication is all about connecting. Yet for some of us, communication is just about informing. Communication is just about dumping information. Communication is just about telling people what they should believe. That's not how to communicate, and you are not going to win in your relationships if you communicate that way. That's why Speak With People has created a seven-part mini-course called how to communicate. It is the principles of true connection. And we'll take you through seven videos where we'll help you unpack how you can become an incredible communicator and how you can win in your relationships. Go to speakwithpeople.com slash communicate and buy the course today. Welcome to the Speak With People podcast. My name is Jason Rates. I'll be your host. And this podcast exists to help you improve your communication skills. Whether you communicate one-on-one, to a team, from a stage, or from behind a screen, we know that when we improve our communication skills as leaders, it exponentially changes everything. It improves our relationships, it improves our leadership skills, and it improves our business skills. So let's get ready to dive into this next episode. Well, what is your purpose? What is my purpose? When was the last time you actually sat down and you thought about that? Are you able to communicate what your purpose is when someone asks you. Well, if you've been struggling uh, to figure out what your purpose is, you've been struggling to figure out how to tell people what your purpose is, you're in luck because today I get uh, a chance to interview an author, uh, I get an interview to a, a multiple TEDx speaker and founder of the Purpose Company. She's also co-author of The Purpose Factor and I am so excited to have Uh, Gabrielle on the podcast today. Welcome and thank you for being on the Speak With People podcast.
1: What is up, friend? I'm so honored to be here. Thank you for sharing your community with me.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I love it. Well, I'll tell you, uh, you have been, um, your company, you guys have been popping up in my LinkedIn feed for a little while. I followed some of your stuff. I've actually signed on to one of the webinars. And so I appreciate all you're doing to pour into leaders and all of the amazing content that you're just providing. So thank you for that
1: yeah well no problem doing the work well it's one of those things i think that when you have the insight into something once you've experienced something you have the authority and also to the responsibility to share it And so we started the purpose company with that basic premise that we had discovered a system to find our own purpose. And we felt Mm. like it was so selfish not sharing it. Now, at first, when we went through that process, it was like, you know, we wanted to be kind of selfish. Like, this is just us. This is like our secret weapon. But then when you see people out there struggling with what's next, trying to figure out what direction to go, having big dreams, but no (sighs) idea of how to actually make it happen, we knew at that point that it was time for us to really take this thing, this system that we call the purpose factor and launch it into the world.
0: Mm. Well, I love that. Well, hey, before we hop in to just kind of diving into that, why don't you kind of give our listeners a little bit more of your story and who you are, what you do, where you're from, all that kind of stuff.
1: Yes, so I really kind of started this journey of becoming this an accidental purpose expert. You don't really go to school for something like that. In fact, I think I did the opposite. I studied politics and religion. So like the two things you're not supposed to talk about at Thanksgiving (laughs) holiday dinner. I was like, I'm gonna double up on those things. (laughs) And, uh, and I, I thought really like most people going to college that I was gonna change the world. Like that's how I was going to do it as I was like, you know, faith is really important to me. Um, I'm a policy nerd. I was like, I, that's how I want to change the world. And and Mm. I got into politics and realized, whoops, I'm the problem, not the solution. And, um, and I kind of poked around for a lot of my twenties really trying to figure out, it kind of felt like a kid lost at Costco, like, are you my purpose? Are you my purpose? And I tried so much. I tried the corporate thing i tried nonprofits. i tried starting stuff on my own I, I i really had a huge heart but no ability to make it happen and so in that frustration i think that that's really where i found uh, my calling and so mm. pay attention to what pains you because mm. the problem you solve for yourself you have an authority and to solve for other people and uh, and i had this moment where i was um, at a conference and I was paying to go to this conference and I was sitting in the back and there was a guy standing on stage and and I had always known that I loved to speak. I was the mm. the kind of kid that I did a lot of speech and debate. I did um you know anything I could to kind of I was always the one raising my hand, asking a question. Like I just loved to be in front of other people now you take these personality assessments and they say like you're a leader but at the time i was probably like the obnoxious kid in class right um, so now it's like spun up as something positive at the time i was like just you know a, a nerd who liked to, to hear myself talk like the chatty redhead what's up with that one and uh <laughs> but i i was sitting in that conference looking at this person and and he was giving my message. He was getting paid to speak and I was paying to watch him speak. And in that moment, I I had this frustration. And at first it felt like ego. Mm. Cause I think sometimes our calling can feel like ego. Like this this false humility comes over like, no, no. You know, he's probably got his PhD in speaking. Like he's probably been doing this forever. He's probably, but the truth is none of those things were factual. It was just my insecurity mm. and my false humility waiting to be discovered was my only game plan instead of believing enough in myself and my solution oh. I could help people with to actually kind of cross over. So I, um, I talked to him afterwards. I pulled him aside and I said, Hey, uh, I want to do what you're doing. And, um, all, you know, huge, huge shout out to him. Um, Tim Elmore, love you. And he, he said, Hey, Uh, If you want to do what I'm doing, I'd love to be able to help. And Mm. so that doesn't always happen, especially in the speaking world. A lot of times people see you as competitors. This incredible man um, who is still, you know, an incredible figure in the speaking space. He answered my questions and he pointed me in the right direction. And and he was not threatened by this 20-something who had a big dream. But I had no topic at the time. I had no Mm. idea what direction to go. And, and I think sometimes we get frustrated along our journey of purpose discovery because um, we just kind of see, um, like we see almost like a shadow of our purpose. And mm. so we kind of bump around trying to figure out what that was. And if you don't realize that sometimes that's the journey itself, like I remember I used to like sit and like pray, like I just want a mentor to tell me exactly what to do. And I've had incredible mentors, but I really felt like, um, I really felt like if a mentor did get shown to me, I would have done everything they did instead of trying to figure it out on my own and now mm. teaching other people what what I now know. So it was uh, that journey, that moment for me made a huge, distinction. I, I went home after that conference, I wrote my book, um, five millennial myths. I was like, this is kind of the thing that I see. This is the problem in the world I want to solve right now. Mm. And I wrote this book and then kind of just started like peddling it from the back of my infinity (laughs) two door (laughs) car. Like anytime I could, I would go to a networking event. I'd talk to somebody, I'd talk to strangers. And that's kind of how I started my, my career is i I went to events and I talked about who I was not what I did. I was still mm. working full time as a as a fundraiser for a nonprofit and not a good one at that. And I remember everything changed when I just would say I'm an expert on millennials and I didn't believe it. I thought people would laugh in my face. I thought people would say prove it to me, you know, yep. where's your card? Like all of yep. those things, but no one ever did that. They just wanted to know more. And <sighs> and so that's kind of that's kind of how I started and
0: here I am. Wow. Wow. That's incredible. Well, I mean, okay. There's so many things to unpack there from, from your story. I'm furiously taking notes here. So, uh, one is I love that you love to speak at a young age. Was something instilled in you? Did parents, you know, push you Did teachers push you or was it just something that, you know, it just happened? Uh, I would love, love to know your journey on that.
1: Yeah, I think I was just a weirdo who loved to talk. I mean, I, I mean, my name's Gabrielle. My name means messenger. Everyone calls you Uh, Gabby. You talk a lot. I mean, I think that God just had a really funny sense of humor with naming me. But I mean, I remember being a young kid. I'm the youngest. And uh, shout out to all you youngest. And I remember putting, sitting my family down at any holiday. And I would have, um, I wanted to be a stand-up comedian. So I'd be practicing my bits in front of them. and i would just be looking for feedback constantly and and i just really loved the spoken word i i was exposed to what we now call motivational speakers but Mm. thought leaders back in the day like earl nightingale and jim Rohn and tony robbins i Mm. my mom would go to these personal development things for work and come back with tapes and cds and books and i would steal them from her when i was in middle school so I I think I had like a natural proclivity towards it for sure. It doesn't mean I was good at it. I mean, I had to go to speech therapy, like no one could understand me. So you can have a desire to do something and no skill. Cause I think sometimes people are like, what are you passionate about? But you can be passionately bad. And I was definitely (laughs) passionately bad about (laughs) speaking for, for quite a long time. But I think when I looked at history, the people I looked up to the most knew how to talk. Mm. And I thought, if I want to change history, if I want to make history, I have to learn how to become an orator.
0: Yep. Well, it's, you know, time and time again, you know, I think the one that's quoted the most is the Harvard Business Review, where, you know, more often than not, people are promoted uh, more rapidly. They receive the most pay uh, raises, more leadership are the ones who can effectively communicate. And so exactly. it's just so incredibly important. So go back to Tim Elmore for a second. What, I mean, just an amazing researcher communicator. I mean, he's able to put so many things in the place for so many people. Did, did, did you know that, uh, he was kind of in, cause you, you wrote your first book, uh, five myths, uh, with millennials I mean, he he does a lot of work and teaching with age groups and all that kind of stuff. So at the time, yeah. did you know that that's kind of, or did he inspire you through that? Or is that just, you know, your book, it just kind of inspired from what age you were in and where you're going from?
1: Yeah, I think um, I already knew that I wanted to speak on millennials for sure. I'd actually written my first book when I was 17 about, but and we weren't even called millennials at the time. So I- I knew that I wanted to be in that space. I didn't know you could make money at it. And yes. so I think it was a good example. I was like, oh, this isn't just a weird hobby I do on nights and weekends. I can I can actually do this. But, But I think that seeing what's possible, and that's why role models I think are so important, is if yeah. you see what's possible, it unlocks possibility inside of your head. And yeah. seeing someone impact others in a very real way really caused me to think, oh, I don't need to do the traditional path because that's Mm. what I was doing. I'd gotten my master's. I was like trying to rise up the ranks. I thought, you know, well, I can, you know, do really, I was actually um, in the process of being interviewed by different PhD programs. I thought, if I continue to, if I want to be taken seriously, I need to do serious things instead of what I now understand is to be taken seriously, you need to have a serious solution. Mm. And so it wasn't really studying more that I needed to do. I needed to test stuff out. And so Mm. the theoretical wasn't helping me and it wasn't helping anybody else. And I realized, yeah, I could go get a PhD. And there are so many people who do incredible work with doctorate programs. I think it's incredible for me and my experience. I knew I was gonna be wasting valuable learning years sitting at a desk versus actually trying stuff out in the in the market. Because when you're dealing with something, in my case like generational research, it changes so quickly that I really wanted to kind of yes. get, I wanted to leverage my age as well because no one was yep. really 25 speaking about 25 year olds. It was pretty rare at the time. Right. And, <laughs> and so I looked at what made me different. And instead of using that as an, as an excuse, I used that as a differentiator. Mm. And so I, I really leaned into the fact that I was young, that I was female. Um, I really tried to play on the redhead thing. It didn't always work, but like, I tried to do something that, that set me apart and didn't try to look like everybody else. I accentuated the fact I was different.
0: Yeah. Oh, I love that. I love that. So your company then is the purpose company. So how do you, how do you help people? How do you walk people down that path?
1: Oh yeah. We're obsessed with helping people find their purpose it's Mm. just the funnest job in the world uh and so we've been able to help folks really from all walks of life i mean we've worked with folks that are like analog astronauts they like test out toilets before they go into space um, and nba coaches and you know and wow celebrities but then we also too work with like stay-at-home moms and kids who are trying to figure out what to do next um in yep. college and so we have this incredible opportunity to help people when they're trying to figure out what's next and we knew that if we could help people answer that question what's next we could empower really the world to be able to create regret free decisions. And Oof. that's so much of what I love to do. Part of my purpose is, is I tell people all the time I'm in the business of regret minimization. I, I want people to know what they're doing and why they're doing it and how to do it. And uh, so we started the purpose company um, really with that in mind is that we wanted to help individuals and leaders be able to understand what their purpose is and be able to articulate it. And we wanted to help companies be able to um really lead what we call the purpose economy to be able to help employees find their purpose at work because imagine what that could look like if you're an employer if you can whether it's frontline employees top level executives or anyone in between be able to find out someone's reason for being like for us we define purpose as the best of what you have to help other people Mm. and if you empower people with that you don't have retention issues you don't have absenteeism you don't have I mean, gossip at work. I mean, so many of the challenges that today's workforce are are coming up against, I think really does get minimized, if not eliminated, by helping people find their purpose. And so that's what we spend a lot of our time doing. Um, we've got other cool things that we do. We also, do have a, a program called Expert School. Mm-hmm. And so once we help people find their purpose, we help them become branded experts with it because you recognized, a lot of people want to just kind of do what we do, like write books and speak and get TED Talks and stuff. And so we we started a program called Experts Goal to help people become branded experts using their purpose, not just something that they think yeah. they should talk on, but create a, a message based off of their their purpose. And that's been so amazing. So it's been, we've got almost a thousand people, I think, that we're helping right now step into wow. their purpose as branded experts.
0: Wow, I love that. I mean, you, you hit on it, but I, I I talk with leaders all the time, HR folks, C-suite leaders, small business owners, they're just trying to hit their head against the wall because they're trying to figure out why can't they get their team more motivated, but they're viewing their team as just come and do this job instead of like what you talked about, helping them find their purpose. How can their, their purpose kind of stream into their job and everything exponentially changes when that happens? It's just incredible.
1: Yeah it it is it's like having glasses for the first time you know like you see those those uh, adorable little videos of babies who can hear for the first time or can yep. finally see because they're they are now have corrective lenses and it it's been there all along that's what I think is so powerful when you find your purpose is is we've had so many people come to us and think oh my gosh I need to quit my job and move to another country and start this nonprofit and do yep. this and they think that the pur- that their purpose is in the extremes. But more often than not, it's right in front of you. It's the perspective shift. It's how you serve. It's what you do. Because if we continue to think our purpose is our job, and then that job is taken from us, or we leave it, um, or something happens to it, we now think we no longer have a purpose. Or person, mm. uh, your purpose is a season of life, and yep. you know then your kids leave the house, or then you know then you change that job, and then you start a job. We yep. create these situational. Um, elements that define, we think define our purpose. But the truth is that purpose is inside of us all along. So Mm -hmm. how we solve problems for people um, is really a a core element. So if I had like time to have coffee or lunch with you, I would, would, one of the first questions I'd ask just talking about purpose is, is what have you overcome that Mm. you can help someone else overcome? What have you overcome that you can help someone else overcome? And it could be as small as like, yeah, you know, I just learned how to not, you know not yell when i'm angry or could yep. it be that you've learned how to figure out how to get out of debt or is it that you've learned this you know incredible system to be able to help your employees stick around longer or hit their sales numbers like what comes naturally to you is brilliant to someone else mm. and so reverse engineering the systems everything we do there's a process yeah. and so just Taking a step back and studying our own success is one of the first things I would say is to, if you wanna create something that's proprietary, if you wanna set yourself apart from the pack, if you want more, frick more confidence about what you're doing, pay attention to how you're doing something so you can replicate it. Because replication yeah. I think is is really the elements, like the cornerstone of being able to truly help people.
0: Wow, wow, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, my my whole world was just shattered not shattered in a good way at 18 when I was handed Dale Carnegie's book, how to win friends and influence people. And I was like, wait a minute, boy, I can actually, you know, by helping other people succeed, I can succeed. And it was, it was, it was earth shattering for me. And so it's amazing even now so many leaders are still, we, and I've been in those seasons where you get so wrapped up into, I got to grow my thing and do my thing. And I love what you just said there about replicating that and helping other people overcome that. I mean, it's just so incredibly powerful when leaders actually do that.
1: Oof. Yeah. And it doesn't take much time. Um, it just causes us to think differently, but what we're already doing, it's a right. 30 second thought exercise that really right. does make make all the difference and if you're a leader ask your team how they do that like how is it that you actually are able to serve our clients so differently or how is it that you come up with a social media post or how is it that you thought of a solution that way and um i think sometimes people just think oh i just do it but by doing that you not only minimize Mm. the the art of service but i think that you also too are selfish because you're not teaching other people to do what you do wow
0: Wow, well, your book, The Purpose Factor, I, ah, I, I, it's it's stuck in Amazon world. So I wanted to have it, uh, but we, I can't wait to we'll put it in our. We have a speak with people community group for leaders, kind of all over the world, and put it in there. But as I was just kind of reading what I could about it, I love just the path that you guys take people on to help them find extreme clarity for their lives. I mean, it's just amazing how. It, you know, even in my own life, how long it took me to try to find some of that clarity. Why is it so important for leaders uh, to really do the investment to find that clarity?
1: It's the thing that makes everything else easier. So mm. when you get clarity, everything seems to really fall in line. And, and I think that clarity is the accelerator of success Oof. because you can move really quickly in a direction, but if you don't know it's the right direction, then you're moving you're just running towards a wall yep so i i believe that time is the most important resource any of us could have just you know you spending time with me today that's an incredible resource and i'm so thankful for it time we spend with our families time that we spend studying time we spend on reflection our health everything if you look at your calendar your time reflects your priorities and so if we can accelerate time what more of an impact could we have? So clarity, Ooh. I think is so important and clarity isn't something, it's not a one-time event. Clarity is a constant check-in. Mm. I mean, so many times, um, cause I run the, the business with my husband, so many times we're going in a direction, we're constantly checking in, is this right? Is this right? And so we have a system of questions that we'll ask to make sure we're on the, the right path. And uh, and that's what clarity looks like as well. I think sometimes we think clarity is a sunset moment. We think that it's you know in the extremes, but truthfully, it's just the one degree moves that we're making um, that I think make the biggest the biggest mm. difference. It was um, interesting. We were um, talking with um, John Maxwell, who's just incredible talk about speaker, author, extraordinaire. He's yes. a he's a mentor of ours, and so um, we were talking to him about decision making and the power of making good decisions and um have you ever met someone who like you're talking about something and they're like that idea is good but here's something else and their idea is like way better uh, that's John Maxwell for you you're like i thought i had a good idea but never mind and uh, we were talking to him about about decision making and and he said yeah you know decision making is good he said but i think the real challenge is decision management mm. he said people can make bad decisions and they can recover from from them if they know how to manage them properly but people can make good decisions and manage them poorly. And, the, and then the result is still negative. And I thought, what a profound perspective shift. And that's where clarity comes in is clarity isn't just the moment of making a good decision. It's yep. are you checking in on that decision? Are you managing that decision well? Yep. And uh, And I think that's why coming back to clarity is really important.
0: Hey, friends, as you know, one of our core values to speak with people is to be obsessed with your success. We wanted to present with you a couple of options to help you succeed. I know you can go to Google. I know you can go to Amazon, but Speak With People has created an online, ever-growing library of the best resources that will help you grow as a leader or communicator. Go to speakwithpeople.com slash skills library and you can get access to this ever-growing Google spreadsheet of all the best books, podcasts, YouTube videos, TED Talks that we can highly recommend for you to be able to grow in your communication and leadership. Mm. When, I mean, Maxwell has so many incredible books. I mean, his his latest on communication is, you know, another mastermind. Okay. But years ago, he wrote that book, um, Everyone Communicates But Few Connect. And, who? I mean, just so powerful, right? Because leaders, we communicate... So often, but I find not as many leaders take the time to really dive into their communication, to actually check if their communication is actually connecting with someone. Yes. Uh, and yeah. it's just so powerful. Powerful when we're able yeah. to do that.
1: And that's the responsibility I think that all of us has have, as have as communicators. I mean, whether you're communicating as a parent, as a manager, as a professional communicator, you can feel really good and walk off the stage or walk out of a conversation and it didn't land, mm. and it. It's not in the performance, but it's in the penetration that really determines how well you actually did. Did they get it? Did they capture it? Can they mm. can they talk about it later? I mean, really, it takes so much time on the front end as a communicator to make sure that what you're saying is landing. Yes, and so just asking questions around the audience. Like whenever I go and speak at conferences, I'll. I'll ask to talk to two to three people who are on the board or on the team or who were past attendees. I want to know what's going to land. I want to know what they want from I want to know, you know, what their greatest hits were because that way I can come in and what I'm saying feels native. Mm -hmm. I don't want it to feel foreign and that they're like, oh great, here's another speaker or consultant or someone telling us what to do from afar. I want it to feel like, oh, she gets us. She's one of us. And that's just a basic of communication is just like I talk about all the time, be curious, not critical. You can go into a room and say, well, they're not getting it rather than saying, well, why aren't they getting it? Yep. You can ask the same question with two different tones and get two very different outcomes.
0: Yeah. Oh, I love that. I love that. So a leader then kind of going back to your book, The Purpose Factor, we've walked through We and we've obviously accelerated all this for this conversation. Highly recommend folks, you know, get your book. We're going to link it all so people can grab it. But okay. I. I'm now getting a sense. I got some clarity. Ooh, this new freedom. I know why I exist. What's those first steps in communicating it? You know, because I know probably for some, they're like, ooh, uh," you know, am I ready to tell the world? Who do I start with? You know, what if they push back on me? You know, all that kind of stuff.
1: Yeah, I think once you get clarity about who you are, you need to next find out who you can help. Because you can't help everyone. Yeah. So once you identify your who, like Simon Sinek did a brilliant job of introducing a great question, which is why. And why is really your motivation. Like your why could be, you know, losing weight to make your ex jealous, or it could be to, you know, solve world hunger. Like you can have really different types of whys, but your who is really powerful because your Mm. who will help determine how that next step looks. Because if your who is your children, that's gonna look very different than if your you're who is your community or your who is your team. And so identifying how large your who is is really important. Some people are called to solve very small specific problems. Mm. Some people are solved to call very large complicated problems. One is not better than the other. We we need, we need people who can solve both. But clarifying the size of your, and scope of your purpose impact is really important. I've met so many people who are caught in a frustration loop because they're working at a level that's too big or too small for their calling. So I would Mm. say that's the next piece is Who is it that you're called to? And if you're like, I don't know, odds are your who is who you were five to 10 years ago. We are most called to people who are like us, who are struggling like us, who are putting in situations that, that we can empathize with. And so if you are struggling with, I don't know who that is, look at who you were five to 10 years ago, because odds are you can help them solve that problem because you've already solved that problem for yourself. Wow.
0: Wow. Wow, that that's powerful. I mean, and so you know, some of these these questions are some of the things that it's like, oh, this is a no-brainer, but you don't think of it, you know, until someone walks you through, wait a minute, take the time, you know, to do the work and to think about, you know, those kind of moments and and what's uh, happened. Once that person starts to communicate, you know, this is this is what I do, this is how I help people, how can I do that? Is it a is it a constant or a continual adjustment? You know, is it a check in? You know, you talked about that earlier with you guys, kind of always checking in, making sure on the right path. But is it the same with your own purpose? Like, I'm I'm checking in, I'm making sure I'm on the right path. You know, or or is it like, okay, this door is opening. So once the door is open, I'm gonna I'm gonna walk down it.
1: Yes. So it's it's kind of both, and I hate to give okay. you kind of a, an attorney's answer, but um, <laughs> but it, just like anything it you're stewarding something that you should be checking in with Mm. and so it's hold tightly to the vision and loosely to how you get there because i meet so many people who are so get so lockjawed on this is the one thing i have to do right now and their head is down which is powerful but they're missing a huge opportunity they're missing a relationship they're missing a new piece of data they're missing uh, a change in the market And so, it's holding both of those things in place. Now, I'm a big fan of single tasking, I'll tell you that. So, what do I mean by both things must exist? You just, again, look at your calendar. It will will reflect your priorities. So, I don't talk to anybody, a human, before 11 a.m., And so, that means that from about about 6 a.m. to 11, I'm dead set on the one thing I need to do that's going to make the biggest impact in my life and my business. And so, that is me single tasking and focused. But the rest of the day from, you know, 11 or so on to about 6, I'm meeting with people, I'm adjusting, I'm gathering data, I'm talking to industry leaders, I'm learning. And I'm leading my team, I'm coaching, I'm doing all of those things. And so both of those things can and should exist. So and good. so you need to be focused on what you're working on. You shouldn't be you know, changing it constantly. Know what's the one thing that you need to do yep. that week that's gonna make the biggest impact. And then you need to be paying attention to, is this the best thing? Constantly be questioning yourself. You should be so skeptical of your, mm. of your vision because, um, if you don't ask questions of it, other people will. Yeah. And so constantly asking questions and say, what am I not seeing? Oof. What perspective do I need to, sh- to shift into? If you have a team, ask them, what am I not seeing? If you have a partner, ask them, ask your community on social media, what am I not seeing? But I yeah. also too love this thought exercise. I will take myself out to lunch or coffee and I will ask Gab in 10 years, huh. Gab, what do you think I should do right now? because we have far more wisdom inside of us sometimes i'm trying to solve a problem with gab in this year in 2024 she's trying to solve the problem but gab in in 2035 has has way more wisdom and so why not ask her and so i'll do these thought exercises and some of my biggest breakthroughs have happened by just shifting my perspective and thinking what would a future wiser more established um, individual in my situation what does she know that i don't and wow. it's free advice that you should pay millions for.
0: <laughs> wow. So good. There's a, a pastor in, in Georgia, uh, Andy Stanley. He's He asked the question, yeah. what's the wise thing to do? You know, even as, you know, piggybacking on what you just said, it's like, oh, if I just took the time to slow down and ask myself, you know, that, that wisdom question, so powerful. Uh, speak for a second to the person. I mean, you've written, you've written a handful of books. I mean- uh, you know, you, uh, um, that's an amazing feat to write one. Okay. So you've written multiple books. What advice would you give someone who's trying to, you know, get their first book done? You know, all the voices, Vanessa Van Edwards calls them the demons in their head, you know, are telling them no one's going to read this. It's not worth your time. Stop it. What
1: advice would you give that leader? Who's just trying to get that book done? So, we did something really powerful we do an event every year called book camp and so Mm. we help people write their book over four days and i'm so obsessed with it because i think a lot of people want to write books they feel called to write books but they don't know how and so Mm. talking about clarity you won't you won't start something you don't know how to finish and so i I like helping people walk through it but we did something really powerful at our first event where um and i can't do this now because so many people come but but i wrote a letter from their future reader and i said this is before they'd even written their book and I, cuz i knew that there had to be a worth it factor worth it like will we push through the hard times of getting distracted and saying no to family vacations and and getting up early and staying up late cuz writing a book is hard i've written 6 i'm working on my 7th <sighs> right now it is It is a slugfest, it is very difficult. Um, And people who say that it's not are either lying or ChatGPT is writing it for them. So don't (laughs) listen to them, okay? Writing a book is very difficult. Um, And it should be because you are taking someone's most precious resource, their time. And if you are not exchanging their time for something better, then you're stealing from them. And so I really don't like bad books. And so what I did was I wrote a letter from their future reader and I knew all of their topics. and. I said, thank you so much for writing your book about, and whatever their topic was, because you wrote that book. And then I had an outcome based Mm. off of whether they were talking about sobriety or leadership and management, whether they were talking about personal discovery. I mean, each of those things and and the waterworks that I was like ugly crying, right? Because there was a physical representation of legacy. And I think when we, writing a book can feel, you feel so disconnected from the impact because you're sitting on a laptop and it feels like you're writing a term paper. It doesn't feel like you're changing someone's life. And so if you can somehow recreate a moment where whether it's write a letter from future readers or from future you and pin it next to your laptop to say, thank you for doing this because you did this, here's what I was able to do you will push through the hard days. I mean, there's a million different strategies I could tell you on how to write faster and better. But if yeah. you wanna get through what people call writer's block, if you wanna get through the doubt demons, you need to know, is it worth it? And I think that's one of the most powerful ways that you can do it. Oof,
0: I, I love that, I love that. Uh, our time's kinda coming to an end. I mean, I-, I could ask you you know, 30 more questions here, but uh, you- you've spoken at multiple TEDx events uh, what advice would you give someone who's, you know, they've got a message that's brewing. They really believe that's an outlet for it. You know, we've got lots of listeners, especially in our Facebook group, we've talked about, you know, uh, advice, you know, for, you know, potentially speaking in a TEDx, you're, you're a, you're a veteran. What advice would you give our, okay. our listeners?
1: Oh man. Yeah. Well, if any of them <laughs> have any questions, by all means, find me on social media, like LinkedIn or Perfect. Instagram and, and pitch like hey what do you think of this i love giving people feedback on things um, because i was the lone wolf i didn't know how to ask questions i didn't want you know i I figured out so much of this stuff on my own because i was too embarrassed to ask for help so if any of your listeners by all means you know please message me i would love to give you guys some feedback on this um and so i i think when when i work with folks who are trying to think about their message whether it's tedx or anything else like i think the defining factor for them is letting go of ego Mm. it's not about you it's not about your story it's not even about your message it's what the audience can do because of you Mm. and so once you fall in love with the audience once you have almost like this righteous anger like if they don't hear this their life is going to be so negatively impacted they're not going to get unstuck they're not going to know this magical thing that i now know and and that conviction is what i've seen get people ted talks who didn't have you know impressive backgrounds people who kind of came from nothing who'd never been on a stage before you will break through and break past everybody else in your space when you have conviction and that conviction really comes from um, an understanding of how you can help other people. So I would say number one, get fall in love with your audience. That's really important. Number two, define the problem you're solving.
0: Mm.
1: Define the problem you're solving. So many yep. people want to come in with the story and stories are important, but stories are the window dressing. It mm. is not the actual content that you're sharing. So what problem are you solving? And so getting really clear about that and using your story as a parable of how they can do it too a story yep. is what will bring the principles to life and so i would say number two really f- find out what the problem is that you're solving and then i think the third thing is is to be patient mm. Um, i applied for many ted talks before i finally got my first and so mm. be patient and learn so like when i tell people to do it like people just reach out to me how do you get a ted talk i'm like if you're going to go the application route do like three at a time mm. so that way you're learning along the way so yep. many people have that height of passion and they just send out a hundred things and they didn't learn along the way so i like the scientific method i'm a nerd so i'm like how do i test <laughs> with my hypothesis how do i tinker and do yep. the same thing when it comes to pitching yourself is is you know pitch and pivot pitch and pivot so that way you're not burning a lot of those opportunities um yeah because if if your message is worth sharing it's worth waiting for
0: yes i love that i love that Okay. So before I hit you with some rapid fire questions, I mean, this has just been absolute gold. I mean, my notepad is filled up. I can't wait for our, our listeners to get this. I can't wait. We'll put all the, you know, all your resources in our, our show notes in our community group, but let's go back to the very beginning. So I'm a fellow, you know, always, you know, my, my inner inside dream was to be a comedian. My communication style is, you know, lots of humor, you know, yes. as, as weave through it. So, uh, who, who is, or a couple of your absolute favorite comedians that you could just listen to them all the time?
1: Oh my goodness, yes. So <laughs> I, I, I'm like, oh, you should have asked this question earlier. I love studying comedy. I mean, I think to become a great speaker and a great communicator, you need to yes. learn how to study comedy. And I'm the kind of person that will go to um, a comedy event and I'm taking notes. Yes. Like in the front row with my notebook. And so- yep. Um, I most recently saw Ryan Hamilton. He's got a Mm. special on Netflix called Happy Face, and he's just really funny. Um, I hate even seen this, but like he's a clean comic. I I think it takes way more work to entertain a crowd without anything that's expletive and even the content itself is just observational humor. So um, I absolutely adore him. I mean, Sebastian Maniscalco, I think he changed the game for for comedy because of his physicality. I mean, if you look at at Jerry Seinfeld's stand-up before and after he became friends with Sebastian you see even just the height differentiation Mm. of like Jerry's last special he's like on the floor I'm like he never would have done that before so (laughs) I like looking at comedians who really change the game and Mm. I like studying I like going to see them in person watching their specials are kind of fun as well like Brian Regan I mean I could just I mean he's like on rotation constantly (laughs) um you too but (laughs) it's just so good and but i what i love about watching comedy in person is that you can actually see them problem solving in real time yes and that is such a a special thing and so yeah we've actually got some professional comedians that we work with and some of our clients work with to like punch up their presentations Mm. because comedy is it's it's the hot dog that the pill goes in like the pill is whatever it is you're trying to get through and the hot dog makes it (laughs) worth it and so I, I love comedy. I love the science of humor. And I'm so glad you asked that question. <laughs> yeah,
0: absolutely. Well, I love that because so often it's just a, 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 a tool in a communicator's or a leader's toolbox that some leaders just go, ah, you know, I'm too serious for yes. that. Or, you know, we've got to get to the real heart of this. And I don't know, even in my own life, in the last month, I spoke in front of a room full of financial advisors. And then I spoke in front of a few hundred middle school students. The common denominator for me was I started with humor, that story Um, to just grab them and, you know, you're able to build such trust. So I love that. That could be a whole other podcast. We could go into the science of that. It be. <laughs> so a couple of rapid fire for you. Uh, we're building a library. So we're hitting 100 episodes. When this airs, we'll have already aired our 100th episode. But uh, we're putting together a library of, of what all the, all, all the amazing authors and I mean, we had just incredible people on here. But we asked them these three rapid fire questions. We're putting this all into a library uh, to help leaders. So the first one is, you, as a leader communicator, do you have a favorite speaker? Just somebody that you could listen to all day long. They fill your cup every single time.
1: I, can I only pick one or can I do, can do a few? You can do a couple, sure. Oh my goodness. I love listening to the OG speakers. Like Winston Churchill is mm. my one of my favorite orators of all time. When you read his stuff, when you listen to it, Uh, my husband quoted winston churchill when he was proposing to me he knew that i loved winston (laughs) churchill it was the blood toils tears and sweat which wasn't the most romantic thing that (laughs) churchill ever said but he knew it would get me to say yes um but uh but i think his ability to uh communicate and to um create emotion in a positive way and redirect a crowd I think is just absolutely amazing Mm -hmm. um I mean I love um TD Jakes I think is just one of the best orators of our time when you hear him story tell when you hear him listen to a crowd and call in response I think it's amazing I think Tony Robbins is the OG for a reason I think um whenever I go to a, an event of his or I see him on podcast or I study his keynotes, I just am fascinated at how he can um, even though he's done it so many times for decades and decades, he still can land that emotion at the perfect yeah. um, at that perfect moment. So um, yeah, those are probably some of my favorites. I'm trying to think of if, if there's anybody else who I'm like and then John Maxwell, I mean, he's sure. just such a such a an incredible person who um, he, is just talking point city like every time you hear him it is just dripping gold yep. and i think it just reminds you of the importance of staying on top of your content and not yep. letting not reusing the same content over and over again i think it's awesome so yep. those are some of my favorites
0: i love it i love it uh if you if you have a favorite podcast whether it's a development or a guilty pleasure is there a podcast or two that are kind of your go-to's the help kind of fill you up, challenge you?
1: Yeah, I listen to a lot of audiobooks, I don't listen to as many podcasts, but the podcasts I listen to are all comedy podcasts. Mm. And it's comedians talking to comedians. So like Whitney Cummings has a great podcast where she interviews a lot of folks in the business. And so learning how comedians think and problem solve, and they talk about the business. Mm. And so if you can make friends inside of the comedy business, do it because the translation to the speaking world is quite literal and um it's funny i have a lot of clients actually who were comedians and who now want to get into the corporate space <laughs> so they're like I'm, I'm ready to make some money right um so that is one of my favorite podcasts and, yeah. and you want to see how smart comedians are watch her interview with david sinclair who's the longevity expert mm. and you just see the depth of whitney's a great example she's brilliant in general but as an example of how um people that have the most amount of wit and humor oftentimes have the, the most amount of, um, kind of emotional sobriety and, um, somberness as well. So it's a, it's a great episode.
0: Wow. I love that. And then one book, one book you'd recommend to every leader. They have to read this book.
1: The One Thing by Gary Keller. It is mm. my most recommended book. It changed the game for me in the concept behind it. Cause every book has one big idea And the big idea for him comes in a question. It is, what is the one thing that which by doing makes everything else easier or unnecessary? It's this domino approach that I've taken to my personal life, my business, my relationships. It is the one thing that makes everything else easier. And it puts everything in perspective. It puts it in the right order. And you want clarity quick. Um, Read that book. It's an incredible resource.
0: Mm. I love it. I love it. Well, my goodness, thank you so much for this time. Where, uh, where can our audience go, our listeners go to find out more about you, uh, your company, all that you offer?
1: Yes, I would love to get connected with them on LinkedIn. LinkedIn okay. is kind of my platform of choice. So they can find me, Gabrielle Bochet on LinkedIn. And then if you want, you know, resources, if you wanna connect further, um, we have an incredible community called Seven Figure Purpose. It's the number Seven sevenfigurepurpose.com that you can go to. And uh, I do a lot of free training. I give away a lot of resources. I answer a lot of questions. I really believe, you know, coming on the other side of this and being able to, to get a lot of, to help a lot of people do this that I love sharing what I've learned. And so um, you can connect with our community. It's a free community at sevenfigurepurpose.com.
0: Boy, I love it. I love it so much. Thank you. And thank you to our listeners. Uh, we'll put all of that information in the show notes and in the uh, Speak With People community group on Facebook so you can dive into each of it. And I could tell you just Uh, how impactful all of their resources are just from my own personal experience. So looking forward to having, thank you again for being on the podcast and so much uh, just appreciate you pouring out so much of your uh, wisdom and uh, insight. So appreciate it.
1: Well, it's such an honor and I want to just acknowledge you for creating resources, for loving your community enough uh, listeners, Not everybody does this. Not everybody works this hard. So you guys have done an incredible work. You should be so incredibly proud. So I'm, I'm honored just to be to be a part of the family.
0: Well, thank you. I appreciate it. Well, thank you for joining us on another episode of the Speak With People podcast. We hope that you were encouraged. We hope that you were inspired and challenged to improve your communication skills. I want to thank you again for being a part of the Speak With People podcast community. Make sure you don't miss out on being a part of the Speak With People Facebook community group. Just head to Facebook, type in speak with people, scroll down and join our community because every single day we're encouraging each other. We're helping each other to improve our communication skills. Thanks again, and we'll see you in the next episode.